Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's springtime, finally. It's a time for renewal and letting go. And one of my favorite things to do is to open my closet and get tossing. I let go of so many things that don't serve me and don't reflect who I am anymore. I make space. And guess what? You can do this with your inner closet as well, as we say in yoga. Relationships, patterns, habits that you have outgrown that don't serve you, well, you get to toss those too. You get to make space inside of your spirit and you get to decide what you're going to fill it with. It is very powerful, but it's It's not always easy because growth is sometimes challenging, but it is always good. And BetterHelp can help. A good therapist can give you tools to explore yourself. They offer customized online therapy, either on video or phone chat sessions. It's more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can speak with someone in under 48 hours. Right now, Stages podcast members get 10% off their first month with BetterHelp. So giddy up, get clearing. We have had so many of our listeners take advantage of BetterHelp, and we really thank you because when you support our sponsors, you support Stages Podcast. So log on to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash Stages. Get tossing, start growing and happy spring. Hi, I'm Stephanie J. Block. And I'm Mary Lee Fairbanks. Welcome to Stages Podcast. Where we're bringing creation and connection to center stage. Here. Matt Doyle, you are handsome. You're very handsome. <laughs> You're very beautiful. Hi, Thanks, <laughs> no. by the Hi, way. Hi, Mary Fairbanks. I just you? saw you in company. Oh, you were God. so good. Thank you so much. Thank she you. She comes back home after this crazy weekend with you, and she's oh like, anyway, I went and saw company. And do you know Matt Doyle? I was like, I do happen <laughs> to know Matt Doyle. <laughs> we need to call him because so... he is awesome. Oh, yeah. thank you. know this guest personally, but not well. I want to know them better. So I did a little Wikipedia search, which isn't normally my bag. But when I did that, the related searches that come up with this human being are Ali Stroker, Michael Arden, Stephen Sondheim, Patty LaPone. So I mean, can you be in better company than that? He is a respected stage actor and he's best known for his beautiful work in Spring Awakening and War Horse and the hilarity of Book of Mormon. Um, did you and I do the reading of Bye Bye Birdie? I know yeah. you went on to do yeah, the final production. Okay, so I was your Hugo deal. Peabody. <laughs> um, I didn't go on with it. They replaced both myself oh and my Gavin God. Lee, but they kept this guest. We'll talk talk about that. (laughs) He's an incredible singer songwriter and released his album uncontrolled, which he wrote with the incredible Will Van Dyke. He is what's called a Twitch streamer. And we're going to talk about this because I went, what is that? You probably are asking the same thing. I'm still not sure. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to, we're going to touch on that. (laughs) He began his stage life at 13. He went from Massachusetts to California then to the New Jersey. I personally went from California to the New Jersey, then the Massachusetts, then back to oh California. God. We share the same talent agent. I do feel like maybe he's like single white femaling me just a bit, but I'm taking it as a compliment. 
<laughs> his career is so varied and thrilling. And I am so excited to see what is about to happen. What is about to explode in his life? Oh Please gosh. welcome the wildly talented, the extraordinarily kind, and I've already said it, but the freaking handsome Matt Doyle. <laughs> Matt Doyle to stage, please. Matt, please come to stage. I'm blushing so hard right now. Oh, uh, Stephanie J. Block, I am a I am a really big fan of yours, and I know I've said that to you and your your beautiful husband on multiple occasions. I think that's like all I say to your husband when I see him. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I you know, I you I'm such a big fan of Stephanie. I you like can't see it, listeners, but he really is beat I, right now. He's genuinely, I'm blushing. As am I. As am I. Oh my gosh! One of the like reasons when I went with Tim and we can get into all of that. Our, our agent, he was like, I represent Stephanie. I was like, great. Let's start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I just adore you. You are filling my bucket oh. in ways that I can't even tell you, but we're supposed to be fawning over you. I'll let Mary Lee start because um, listeners, how it happened was uh, she had spent this whirlwind weekend in New York City with LaShawns and they went and saw company. She came back and she was like, oh, Matt Doyle. I mean, he's incredible. Do you happen to know him? And she went on this wonderful, you know, soapbox about your talent and what you brought to the piece. And she had plenty of notes uh, about the piece itself, <laughs> yes, but we won't go into absolutely. that. But you- <laughs> perfection. And so I'm going to let Mary Lee jump in. First of all, I really did. You were so, so just adorable in the show. You You managed to walk that line between the the neuroses and the lovability so much. It was just, it was just wonderful. I love the show and I really hope you guys. But I want to know what was it like to be a part of the show with Sondheim at the end of his life? I mean, it's such a remarkable experience that you guys got to have to, to yeah. be with him and have him see this piece, this piece that from the seventies, that's now yeah. revamped and completely reimagined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to hear about that. What was he at rehearsals? Did yeah. you get to work with him like one-on-one? Cause that is a gift. Yeah. So the one thing, and I'll start with this I had the pleasure of working with him also on the, we did a off-Broadway Sweeney Todd uh, with uh, Barrow Street Theater. And he was really actually heavily involved in that. And we didn't realize that he was going to be when we were all cast in it. And he showed up for a lot of rehearsals. And then he was there. He saw that show so many times and just sat in the audience and adored it. And um, I was so impressed with him then at his ability to not be precious about his work, his, uh, his willingness to celebrate new ideas and how much it excited him, um, to watch his work, uh, transformed. And I was like, God, this man doesn't have to be this way. He can let his work be museum pieces, you know, and let it be untarnished and not want it to be touched. Uh, he has every right to, yeah. <laughs> to feel that way. And he was so excited by new ideas. And I thought that that was the most incredible thing about him that until the day he died, he was celebrating creativity and really, really excited about watching his work transform. And he was really heavily involved in 2020 when we first went into rehearsals for this. I was cast in this role in uh, July 2019. Oh my and gosh. here we are now. Yeah. Uh, it's been a long journey. <laughs> and he was 
really heavily involved when we first started. He came by uh, several rehearsals. We had notes with him all the time and it was such an honor. And he was so emotional about watching it transform and so proud of this production. And in the 1970s, there's no way that couple could have been a gay couple. Exactly. And now exactly. it's completely normalized as it should be. It's just like, yeah. it's just a couple like any other couple, a family like any other family. And yes. so for him as a gay man to, at the end of his life, see how far that came must have been yeah. very, very gratifying for him. So gratifying. And yeah. he talked about that, how the line, he loves the line or loved the line, um, I'm the next bride, uh, which is his exit line or Jamie's exit line and was Amy's exit line. And he said, I always thought it was one of the best exit lines ever written. And now coming from the perspective of a, a gay man, he was like, I need you to yell that line up to the heavens and oh, celebrate wow. that. And he was like, cause it means so much and it makes me cry. And um, so that's something I take with me every show and knowing that. And it was one of the last things he said to me um, about five days before he passed uh, was how much that line makes him cry coming from a gay man. So it was very profound for him to watch the piece grow yeah. in the way that it had. And one of the things that Stephen was witnessing right before he passed, too, is the younger generations coming in and not having an idea that that role had even been changed and thinking somehow yes. that it was on stage 50 years ago that way. <sighs> and that being how far we've come and yeah. that it does feel so normal now to younger generations that it was, They'd it wasn't even a big deal. To realize that it was yeah. a different thing before. Yeah. I want to go back. You said Sondheim wasn't precious, but if you're in the immersive space at Barrow street, you're in the West Village. You hear rumors that Sondheim is in that small space. So his presence is there. His energy is there. How does the company stay in your body and tell the story the way you did on that Tuesday night or Saturday matinee? Because yeah. uh, Sondheim walks in. You got to feel that. Yeah. Totally. So he he was there for our first preview and was there then like I probably did the show with him in that room at least 10 times. I mean, he wow. was that much of a fan of it. He just loved it and it, thought it was a different experience every time. So he came back and sat in a different seat every time. The first time he decides to come and we're all terrified backstage. And it, it's a group of very anxious act actors, Brad Oscar, uh, myself. Oh, and yeah, <laughs> just like in like full, full anxiety sweat. <laughs> All of us. Anybody have the Xantax? Who is carrying the Xantax? <laughs> Xanax. Xanax, Xanax. Yeah. You can clearly see Stephanie's not popping Xanax. <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, and I look out and and watch him sit down because we we do the pre-show and and he sits down in the one seat that I like have a big audience planned audience interaction oh. with. And I was just like, no. No, oh, I do. Okay. Oh, I do. And I sing uh, the beginning part of On Miss to that seat. I grab them on the shoulder and, and um, saying, not even in London have I seen such a wonder and look up at Joanna with that person, put my hand on their shoulder and just like appreciate the beauty of Joanna. And I'm like, I got I to gotta change seats. I got to grab someone else. I'll just grab someone else tonight. And then as I was going out there, I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is so absurd. The whole thing is so absurd. Steven Sana, I'm sitting here. It, we're in this tiny house together, immersive Sweeney Todd, what am I even doing? You know, I was like, I, 
I only <laughs> live once. Your whole yeah. existence. Yeah, exactly. And I was <laughs> like, like I only live <laughs> once. Might as well. Might as well just go for it. And I jumped on the table and grabbed him by the shoulder. This this fragile man, and uh, looked him dead in the eyes and saying like uh, probably too much of Amis to him. And uh, and he was just beaming with glee and smacking the table and so excited. And he was so delighted by it that it was probably the best moment I could have had with him moving forward because then every time that he was in the room, especially rehearsals for company and having to do getting married for him for the first time in the room. I mean, I just had had that experience of knowing that he is in the actor's corner Mm -hmm. and we might think he's this big, scary figure that yes, gives harsh notes. Of course we, we know that about, him but he's in our corner he wants the work to be good he wants to be delighted by us I I think that whole moment and experience really helped me work with him talk to me about you going to school in London oh yeah choose going there and what was that your experience and why did you say cheerio going going back home and gonna start to work oh I, I I love this question originally I had uh uh, decided to go to Carnegie Mellon and was going to their acting program. And, uh, I started talking to my parents about like maybe a few months before I was supposed to graduate high school and I was all set. And I said, I don't feel good about this. Like I just don't. And I was, I matured very, very quickly as a kid. I I think a lot of, uh, gay people that were bullied harshly do, you know, and I really wanted to get a a different experience than a university experience where I went off to a smaller city. I don't want to put down Pittsburgh um, and was kind of just stuck there in a a small group of people for four years. So uh, Lambda was auditioning very last minute for their graduate program in, um, in San Francisco. And my mom was like, would that be something that you'd be interested in? And I was like, yeah, I think maybe more of a conservatory experience and, I went in and he was like, you're way too young for this program. This is for post-grads and professionals. But if you want to do this, like, we'll, we'd be happy to have you. And so I just decided to not go to Carnegie Mellon, went out there for a year and did a classical theater, which terrified me and was working with people. It was like 25 and up. I was the youngest in the program and it was thrilling. And that school was wonderful. And the teachers there were just incredible. And, and I got to have this experience instead where I, and it was far less expensive. My parents were thrilled. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I got to have this experience where I was overseas working with people older than me. Uh, my best friend was Parisian and we take the train back to Paris on the weekends. And I was doing something that I really felt felt was making me grow because it was classical theater, which I really, really was uncomfortable with. And Mm. it was the best experience of my life. I still look back and I'm like, nothing will top London. I know I'm having great profound experiences right now and everything, but I'm so grateful that my straight out of high school overseas, that coming of age moment really was that for me in the UK. And I love that city so much. And it was so good to me. Like Mm. they, that school was, was wonderful. I find it remarkable that at such a young age, you felt that instinct and followed it. Yeah. Because I think at a young age, normally you get out of high school and you just kind of do what, you know, oh, okay, well, this is the next step. And you were like, no, no, everybody else is zigging. I'm going to zag. Did you grow up in a 
kind of house that helped you to think that way or trust yeah. the, those instincts inside yourself? Yeah. My parents are awesome. My, my parents met in art school. Oh. My dad is a, a creative art director in advertising, but he's an artist and I've just watched his work over the years and his tenacity. And he was always the most, and for better or worse, taught me to be very impatient and just goes after things in a way that I think was really good for me to watch, you know, and, and recognize that he has always been a force of life is short and you, you have to go after things and trust your instincts. And, and, um, I, I love that about him. And my mom is just so no bullshit. <laughs> we call them mass holes. I don't know if you yes, know that yes, term. Yes, I know yes. that term. Where, where are um, you from in mass? By the way. Uh, originally from uh, Manchester by the sea is oh where, uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up and, in Melrose and I, oh, my no son kidding. went to school in Manchester by the sea for years. No way. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's yeah. And my dad's from North Attleboro where they were, we're a Massachusetts family. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think there was just there, my, they loved anything that I wanted to do, especially after I had a really tough time when I was younger and in middle school and recognized a lot of things about my mental health. So I hit high school and just had this attitude of like, I'm going to do what I want. And I hope that's okay. <laughs> and my parents were like, yeah. And if I left school to go backpacking with a weird group from San Francisco, they were like, you know what? do it. And they were, they, oh, yeah. they dealt with the high school. Like it yeah. was very, and it was good for me because I, I just had a lot of experiences as a result of that, that helped shape me. And they knew that the second I was a freshman in high school, they were like, Ooh, he's ready to be out of there already. You know, it was just something that they, they kind of cultivated and appreciated about me. I'm looking on your arm and all I see is bounty is as boundless. And I was like, is that from Romeo and Juliet? Yes, Do you have a is. quote, a tattoo? Did that yes. come from your higher learning in London or from another place? So one of the reasons uh, why I went to, uh, went to London was I, I knew that I was terrified of classical theater, but I also knew that Romeo and Juliet was in my young brain, the most perfect piece of art ever written. And I still really genuinely think that I think it's such a perfect play that quote, my bounty is as boundless as the sea. My love is deep. The more I give to thee, the more I have for both are infinite, I think is maybe the greatest line ever written. Just saying Gorgeous. the more I give to something, the more I'll get in return. And I think that is how I try to live most of my life. And I am very passionate and probably to a fault sometimes because I believe the the, the harder I, I give my heart to something, the more I'm going to get back from it. And uh, so I have boundless as, as the sea on my arm. And, and a yeah. feather. Tell us and about the feather. And a feather. The feather is about bouncing back from a really dark period. I've got <gasps> this arrow design which is about when I was in the really dark period to put on myself, which is to represent the further you get pulled back, the further you launch forward. And oh, mm, oh, I yeah, love I wear, that. I wear a lot of my mental health on my sleeve, literally. literally. <laughs> Bow and arrow, the further you pull back, the dark, yeah. the darker the place you go back to, the yeah. further you can launch. Yes. I love it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that really dark place? 
Yeah. So I, I, Stephanie, one of the things that I've always really, really admired about you is you've been so honest. I listened to a lot of podcasts and, and watched interviews over the years. You've been so honest about this is a really hard business. This is a really hard business, not just because it's a hard business, you know, but because of what it does to the soul and how easily you can get sucked up into the very silly sides of this industry as well and kind of lose yourself in in that path and journey and i right after book of mormon which was like such a successful period of time i had come off a of war horse and done book of mormon and everything i really felt lost because i was just like i had three three projects that were all supposed to go to Broadway, all got canceled, all were leading roles, all were supposed to follow that experience, which was so hard because I was working with Scott Rudin, you know, who's really, really difficult monster. And then I, I was just like, I was so just disheartened by the business and disheartened by this path that I had chosen for myself and so confused because those roles coming to Broadway weren't even things I wanted to do. And I left because I ended up in a really bad situation and I've struggled with my mental health for a long time and I needed help and got crisis counseling. And I decided to stop auditioning and and did other things for a period of time. And, and during that period of time is when I got this tattoo and just like kind of had my uh, real come to Jesus moment in terms of uh, needing to prove to myself that I didn't need the industry to live. Uh, so I wrote comics for a living during that time and had a, a comic book deal that took off. And I got my personal training certification and worked in fitness. And it was just like a year and a half because I ended up getting offered a, a West Side Story at Paper Mill and decided to do it. And it was this thing that had nothing to do with, it wasn't moving to Broadway. It wasn't about anything, but just doing Tony and West Side Story and just falling in love with performing and just mm. appreciating the music. And Taking that was my- all of the yeah. other elements that weigh it down out and doing something out for the completely. joy of doing it. Well, Matt, just you, for the joy of doing, doing it. your perfect play. You yeah. were doing Romeo and Juliet. Yes, exactly, exactly. And it was so lovely to just work on something from that angle. And then from there, things snowballed because the casting director from that put me and Sweeney Todd off Broadway. And it's just like, I think the product that is company right now to tie it all together is what's so exciting about it is that it's really just representative of doing things because I, I want to do them and because I love them, you know, and, and that, cause that's what Sweeney was. That's that how I met Marianne doing war horse, you know, and, and it's kind of the, the culmination of all of those things. And that's why it's also such a special piece to me is it's, it is a really successful moment for me, of course, but it comes from a really good place. It's, it's not this thing that I chased because I was told I needed to chase or because it was the next step in my career that I needed to take, you know, it's another example of you following that inner voice, that little whisper when yeah. you feel like something's not right. You did it at right. Carnegie Mellon and you did it again at that yeah. moment. Cause most people wouldn't walk away. They would say, oh no, I mean, this is, I have to, how do I say no to this? Yeah. And you were like, no, no, I'm not just this one thing, I'm right. many things. And I'm going to go explore what they are so that I can be more of actually who I am when I come back to the stage. That's well, really life powerful. is so short. Life is so short and we have so much at our disposal and we somehow forget that. And also just think like, have to stick on this one track that I chose when I was 19 years old, you know, yeah. like, what? Right. yeah. And there's also a misconception. If you are lucky enough to hit Broadway, then that in turn will get certain reviews, which that in turn will get you recognition of an yep. award and this sort of linear growth that should happen. So if you reach that 
first victory, which is a major climb in and of itself, just to put your feet on a Broadway stage or to create a show from the ground up that never existed before. That's the win. Most artists that get that first show No, they're not being launched into stardom and notoriety and award season. It's not the way it happens. And that's who you are. And I hope you do wear it as a a badge of honor because it's impressive. Thank you. And I do now. I absolutely do. And it is something I'm really proud of. And I do look back on my, I've been here 16 years now, and I'm so proud of what I've done since I was a kid and, and, and where all of those decisions led me and even the dark moments where it's led me, I wouldn't be in company if I had taken two more years at Book of Mormon, like was thrown at me or, you know, all of the things that I've done, like the, I'm really proud of what the journey has been. And I say it all, I am a workhorse. I mean, that is, that is me to the T. I, I missing a show. I can't stand it. You know, I, I, I love the work and I love taking it on and I'm proud of it. And, uh, it, the work is what's important to me. Did you feel that unspoken pressure though, in the beginning? Oh, like, yeah. why am I not oh, hitting yeah. this particular point? We don't constantly. just do that to ourselves. It's yeah. constantly being It's thrown at us. In, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. comparison so, is the fastest road to misery. It just oh, yeah. despair. You can't compare yep. your your yep. track with someone else's track or your success with someone else's success. You, you just can't because you're just going to make yourself miserable and nothing will ever be enough. That's yeah. right. Well, and that's also actors just do that to themselves nonstop. I mean, artists do. Uh you, it's the what's next comes up all the time. And that was killing me too. And it is thrust upon us as well. Um, I was fresh off of spring awakening and the lunacy that was like, all my friends are booking glee and I'm not, you know, like that ridiculous attitude. Well, yeah. Again, that yep. show does not, that's not the norm. That's yeah, when you exactly. start spring awakening and all of a sudden yep. the cast is on gap ads and these huge billboards yep. and people are booking jobs and winning awards left and right. Yep. That's not, that's not we normal. Judge. That's yeah. not normal. No. Oh, and I had no perspective and it took people like John Tracy Egan and these wonderful men that were in the ensemble of the show to just smack me across the head and say, hey, you got a really long life, kid. You know, calm down. What's the story with the comic that you put out, this digital comic that you wrote? Can you tell us about that? So I'm a big, big old nerd. um, And uh, this was a a comic that I wrote that is a post-apocalyptic story about identical twins with superpowers and uh, the superpowers, the superpowers are basically all of the elements. So it's inspired by like a lot of things that I grew up watching, like uh, Fifth Element and Captain Planet, where mm-hmm. like Earth, Wind and Water and everything. Mm-hmm. And it was like totally inspired by all the Saturday morning cartoons that I grew up watching. And I wanted to really, really put more of an adult element into it as well, just in terms of the content and the things that they experience along the way. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of violence and all sorts of things. There's <laughs> two powers in it. One is Aether, which gives life and Nether, which takes life away. And they're the people that have the, the ability to access that they're constantly trying to fight the, the darker power from taking over. Um, so I definitely think that there's a little bit of, of, You're uh, in there. yeah. I'm and this there. is with Beth Beers. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it with my best friend. I know. (laughs) I know. So my best friend, we were attached to the hip since we were like 13 years old. Her name is Beth Bears. She's a big TV actress now. And uh, she and I 
when we were kids, I multiple conversations about her wanting to be a TV star and I wanted to be a Broadway star and we both went off and did it. I mean, you literally we, the thing. we were like awkward braces bound kids. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Is this getting picked up? It's in development for TV. So yeah, we were working on it uh, for years with anonymous content and they still have it. And uh, this really, really wonderful guy who worked on um, Kubo and the two strings uh, is our showrunner. We want to make it an animated series and we're still working on it. I hope that we we get it off the ground soon because I really I think that it would be a good crossover and I don't know if adults watch a lot of animation I think they do because I'm a nerd but (laughs) there's so many of those animated series that are yeah for exactly yeah I mean and do you do the drawing as well the art no so I write panels so basically panel writing is describing everything that's happening in each panel to a t and uh, my artist lived in India um, Sid Koshin and I would say send weekly, probably about eight pages of, of panel writing to him. And he would then turn them into panels. And then it would go to our colorist in Malaysia and then come back to me and we'd do the the text here. Yeah. It's wild. (laughs) Now, were you uh, a gamer before you started comics or your love of comics kind of set this whole thing? I was, I was a total gamer before comics. Yeah. I was, I think gaming for me, I was, not a very social kid. And that was definitely my sanctuary when I was younger in terms of escapism, you know? And like I said, I'm a big sci-fi nerd. Like my biggest, uh, my favorite movie of all time is Blade Runner. You know, Ridley Scott to me is like a god. Yeah. Yeah. I am okay with sci-fi. The apocalyptic stuff is not for me. So Mad Max. Too upsetting. Too upsetting. (laughs) And Mary Lee and I were just talking about this before you came on. Yeah. She and her son are binge watching The Walking Dead. Yes. And I was like, I'm that type of gal that would say, just suck my brains. I don't yeah. have the energy to like choose the weapon and always look over yep. my shoulder. So I would just give it up. Suck yeah. it like soup. Yeah. Um, I'd get all Sicilian, man. I would get in there. I I'd love it, like, Mary Lee. Bring it on. My son and I have these elaborate conversations. Like we'll be at a traffic light or something. He'd be like, okay, right now, if they came out of the woods, what would we do? And we like, you know, envision what we would do. And we just have these whole fantasies about how we would, how many we destroy, where we live, where we'd go, what the weather would be. It's hysterical. You feel safe in that world of oh, sci-fi. Yeah. and Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how I'd fare. I mean, let's be real. I'm not like, <laughs> but I, I love Come it. Come hang I, out with me and Seb. My son yeah. will take Exactly. I feel like your anxiety might flare, man. It might flare just a notch. But is that what Twitch is? Is that what the 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 whole Twitch Twitch is? So Twitch came into play during the pandemic. That's that's Twitch. Yeah, Twitch for me is um, finding amazing places online to make money during the darkest period of my life. That is what Twitch is. Uh, Twitch is literally a, a place where you play video games and there's a chat going on where people are subscribed to you to watch you and you as there's a video of you and you talk to them you interact with them half the time you're barely talking about what's happening on the video game a lot of people wanted to know what my experiences in theater were you know all the gossip and the stories and you get an audience and they watch you and uh, you tune in several times a week and I paid my rent 
throughout the whole pandemic that way. I met the most wonderful kids that way. I mean, it's a really fascinating place of people. I think a lot of, in my experience, a lot of people that maybe aren't the most social people in their daily lives get to have a community online somewhere and you provide essentially a community up for them and they have their own like message board for you and, and being your audience and it's fascinating. There were about like, I think 20 of them the other night at company, they all came and, and saw wow. the show. And I was like, these are my Twitch fans. What game are you playing when you're doing it? Oh gosh. I, I played so many different games. I mean, what was yeah, yeah, one? yeah. Um, my favorite one that was the easiest to do because it was just like really quick little mini games is called fall guys, which is just essentially trying. It's like, it's basically like a Mario, uh, uh-huh. of sorts. Yeah. And so uh-huh. how do you get paid from that? I mean, how does it work? Did they, so they subscribe to, to it, they subscribe to it and they also like give tips throughout the stream and they pay wow. for, they pay for sounds to like scare you while you pay, play and everything. It all sounds so ridiculous. And I promise you it is like, I don't <laughs> deny that for a second. But, but it, it paid was, your rent. It paid my rent and also was a really wonderful outlet because what a secluded, awful time that we just lived through. And I had this way of like on the darkest days too, of just I would be stuck in the apartment all day, couldn't even go to the gym during that time, you know. And I would just look at Max and say, I'm gonna go tw- do Twitch now. And then I'd be talking to like a hundred people for an hour and it was entertaining and silly and fun and light and lifted my spirits and then got off and got back to the pandemic. (laughs) And where did you get this entrepreneurial spirit? My dad. There you go. Right there. Yeah. Always ideas and always like, well, and that was something that really bothered me actually when I did take time off and there was, I'll never forget. And I, I, I I do my best not to read things on the internet, but I'll never forget being tagged on Twitter when I was working at Barry's and somebody had the audacity to tag me and say, um, well, I guess Matt Doyle's really fallen, you know, something about my career falling apart because I was training at Barry's. And I was uh, teaching Barry's boot camp, and I just responded, "I'm making more at Barry's than three out of four of my Broadway shows." So please, how you measure success is really just not like it just fascinates me because <laughs> this is like it's yeah, just that's crazy. shocking to me because then you don't know the human spirit and the pride with which just doing whatever you need to do to, to pay for your life survive. is effing win. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, but things like that say a lot more about the person who. Tells, oh, absolutely, hundred percent. Right? You, if that's a very unhappy person, and they want yes. to make you unhappy, so. Oh, 100%. It's just such an, I think another toxic side about our industry is that it's this idea that it's only going to go like that, you know, and, or what even is that? Like, why, why do we measure it at all? I'm happy if I'm working and I'm happy if people like it. I'm happy if people think I'm successful, but that's, that's not why we do this. Do you think that's why we do this? (laughs) Right. So you're waiting two years, you know, that you've got this juicy, delicious role. You're in that rehearsal room. You're delivering. I'm not getting married today. You're getting the reactions. I'm sure from your fellow castmates. And then the world does, it takes the big pause. Yeah. And you're sitting on the secret of what could be a possibility. Did you always know the show was coming back? What was kind of your mantra to hold on or, or, or what? Yeah. What? Um, 
I think company got me through that pandemic more than anything is I had something on the other side that I had to believe in. Mm-hmm. The darkest days is when I stopped believing in it. And I certainly did. I would say right around uh, October of 2020, that was like the hardest, hardest period because we were holding on to it. We knew that our producers were so adamant about bringing it back. It made no sense not to. The set was there. We had done nine performances. The thing was teched. We are all waiting to come back. And once our contracts ended and uh, or were coming up on an end and it looked like we weren't going to be back before the end of our contracts, I was worried about people like Patty leaving. I was worried about it all just falling apart. And that happened around October because there was no vaccine yet. Trump was still in office and we had no idea how the election was going to go. And it was terrifying. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's when my heart sunk the lowest. And that was like the darkest period for me because I could feel even Chris and Marianne, who are our biggest cheerleaders, our producers of our show and wanting so badly to bring it back and, and, and telling us this is going to happen. This is going to happen. We're in your corner. This is going to happen every day. They were wonderful. And they were very honest too about, how long it's going to take and what's going on and what the league is saying. And okay. So the conversations were conversations were there. Okay. But that's when they got dark too. And that's when I was just like, Oh, this is bad. But things turn around quickly after that with the cast trying to like, we were zooming weekly and then we were zooming like every two weeks. And then it came down to like every month because it just got too hard. I mean, we were getting on at one point and People would, it was just like, who's going to cry next? You know, yeah, who's going to have session. Yeah. And, uh, it was just too hard. And, and I remember when Patty kind of ducked out after several months and just said, I can't do it anymore. You guys, I love you so much, but it's too hard for me. And uh, that's when my heart sank even more. And, and then things started to change. We won the election, thank God. Uh, And the vaccine had been announced and Mm -hmm. we were talking about the rollout of it. And uh, even the winter when it got horrible again, it was like, but but there's a change coming, you know, we know that the change is coming. There was hope on the horizon again. And then we started talking about dates and then all of a sudden we were announcing and it just was this kind of up and up and up and up towards getting back to it. But I swear, if I didn't have company I don't know how I would have gotten through that, uh, that period. It was just this thing that I held on to, this unfulfilled dream that I knew as long as I was patient. And I kept on saying that to Marianne, like, look, I've been waiting for something like company my whole career. And, and I never knew that it was going to happen. I never knew how it was going to happen, but I waited my whole career for it. So all I have to do is just keep waiting. Mm. And she was like, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. And that was what got me through. Is your partner Max an artist as well? Yes. Yeah. Max Clayton is uh, an actor as well. And he's so uh, standing he by for Hugh Jackman right now. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. yeah. The, the roller coaster of it yes. all. Yes, completely. And that was really helpful. And But it was tough. I mean, Max like got his real estate license in the middle of that. You're like, I'm talking about Twitch. And Max is like, oh, okay, that's cute. I'm going to go... <laughs> I'm going to go get my real estate license. And the New Jersey real estate license is no joke. That's well, he, and no. he went New York so so that he could work. I know. But he, he went balls to the wall, New York, real estate license. And 
got this like dream assistant gig. This is crazy what's happened with Max at this super high-end luxury place. And so basically he was taken on and this this wonderful woman that he works for was like, I'm going to teach you the ropes. And like, this is a dream gig. It's kind of like, I always laughed with him because I was like, it's like Devil Wears Prada. Like you're, (laughs) you walked in and got like the best assistant's job there possibly could be. But in his like first three weeks, he was showing these like multi-million dollar listings for people. And they were listings that had been on the market for years. And he was just showing as an assistant for these people. And he like sold three of them, like cash offers. And so they immediately like, just bumped him up to like junior agent. And it's like, totally (laughs) it's like, Max, what, like, what is happening? You skipped 50 steps and it's because he's good at it, obviously. And, and is very good at it, but it's been this like crazy thing that I was sitting at home. Like, guess I'll do Twitch now. (laughs) I'm going to go shoot some stuff up in my, he was like, cool. I just got a new listing for 4 million. I was like, great. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my gosh. So this was, people were buying up real estate when the pandemic. Oh yeah. yeah, Like crazy. Like crazy. I would have thought that everybody would have exited, but no. Oh no. New York was a hot, hot place to uh, to buy at that point. And uh, families were moving out because they needed more space and they wanted yards, right? Because the kids were not going to go back to school. They didn't know when. So they needed a little more air, but investors and and people. People from around the world saw the mass exodus of and families swooped in to and buy swooped in. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. Yep. And he it started was- selling like all of our friends' places. And and uh, like, I mean, it's been amazing. He's brought on this whole new clientele. He just sold Orfe's place. So there you go. Oh, when you do look ahead, that entrepreneurial spirit, that um, dreamer, yeah. are there roles that you still want to check off the list just for the joy of it? Yeah. You know, I still really, 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 really want to originate a role from scratch on Broadway. That is still the dream that I haven't really had fulfilled yet. I think Mm -hmm. company comes the closest to it because it is such a new version of this character. Mm -hmm. And that's something I really had to do is, is let go of all the Amy's before me and accept that like, I'm not a woman. It is not being played that way. And I have to just play myself because I have all these like icons in my head that have done it before. Um, And uh, so that's the closest thing to it. And it's been very fulfilling and gratifying in that sense. But I really want to work on a new musical. That's my dream. And I've, I've been doing it for years and hoping that they come in, but uh, it hasn't it hasn't hit yet. And uh, I'll continue to try and cultivate new well, stuff as much as young. I can. you're awfully young. You have plenty of time. Oh, thank Born you. in like 87 or something. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I read that and I was like, I am so depressed I'm right now. I'm flattered because I'm at that stage now where, and I know you guys know where you look at all the college kids coming out and you're like, God damn it. F you. (laughs) Well, yeah. But the bottom line is, I mean, you know, if we're looking at cycles, I could be your mom. I I could be your mom. (laughs) Also, I can't believe we didn't have you as Rose. Oh my God. In that Bye Bye Birdie revival. Stephanie, I can't even handle it. They kicked me to the curb. Well, it really, really worked out for them. (laughs) 
do. Have you ever thought of writing? I mean, since you already are a writer and you're creating music with yeah. Will Van Dyke, have you yeah. guys ever thought of writing a musical or perhaps I it's already so. there? Yeah, or I producing so. with all the money that your partner's bringing in from selling $20 million condos. <laughs> I said that to Max. I was like, if you get rich, I'm producing. We're yeah, producing. Hello. I was like, if you get rich. And work. so that's the goal. I keep I keep telling him that like he just needs to get rich. <laughs> um, that's it. That's it's simple enough. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I if he I would love to produce, honestly, I, w- I would love to write, but I, j- I don't think I have the um, it's weird. I as an artist, I'm so willing to put myself out there on the line with my instrument and myself as an actor. But I think as a writer, I would be really, really scared to put myself out there in that sense. I know with music, I I've found that confidence, but I would want to write the book. And I, I w- and I that's t- uh, watching writers deal with the new musical process. I'm like, I don't know if I'm equipped for that. It is so exhaustive, so tough. You have to answer to so many different opinions, opinions that come from the weirdest investor down the line. You know, like I, I just don't know if my heart could, could handle that, but I would love to produce because I know I have a producer's brain. I'm always best friends with whatever producer I'm working with on any show because I just, don't care about asking questions and wondering things and, and, and giving opinions and being involved on that side of the table. It always cracks them up and they're like, no actor has ever really approached me like that. (laughs) Um, but it's because I think I, I genuinely would, would love, would love to produce. And now it's time for the five questions. If you were to look back at your uh, teenage self, yeah. what would you tell him? <laughs> keep going. Exactly what you're doing. Keep going. Trust this. Keep going. Because the teenage self was 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 the person that I tap into a lot sometimes when I lose sight of things. That that kid was tenacious, and I mm-hmm. I I miss that sometimes, and I miss um I miss the dreamer sometimes. Okay, you've been arrested and thrown in jail. <laughs> What is it that your friends and family will assume you have done? <laughs> oh my God. Oh, arrested, thrown in jail. Holy crap. Um, like I would say like m- missed somehow just out of like carelessness, paying my taxes or something. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm the least organized person in the world. And literally my accountant, like last week when all corp taxes were due and everything was like, you have to do it. Like, you, like I don't know what to tell you. Like, get your shit together. Like you need to do it. <laughs> if we walk into your closet, is there a piece of clothing or a garment or a piece of jewelry that holds such memories you'll never get rid of it? Oh Yeah. Okay. Um, I have these, this is hilarious. I have these pajama bottom pants from when I was in high school that I still will not throw away because I used to wear them every day. And it reminds me of when I was in high school, it was after a lot of hard stuff as a kid. And it reminds me that I really did not care at all what people thought about me in high school. And uh, that was the place that I was in at the time because they're the most ridiculous pants in the world. I used to wear them every day. And I thought they were so cool and I didn't care. And I was just crazy. The way I dressed in high school is insane. It was like, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try that. And I hang on to them because they make me laugh. And I'm like, man, that kid was, that kid was awesome. (laughs) All right. In the book that is your life, what is the current chapter called? 
<sighs> oh man. Restoration, I guess. Um, yeah. Nice. I think in a lot of ways it is. This is like the most profound moment of my life. And I, I, I feel no pressure of topping it, you know, like, I think that's what's also really wonderful is I'm, I'm in a place, this is tricky right now. It's cause it's like the season and everything and it gets all overwhelming and scary, but I am at least in a place where I can really enjoy every performance and appreciate it just because of what we've went through and w- what it took to get to this point. And I'm like, nothing will top doing this revival after the pandemic, what it's about dealing with Stephen Sondheim's death in the midst of all of this, like having him there just right before his death, not in terms of life experiences yeah. and the things that we like really hold dear to our ourselves in our career. And as artists, I don't have to top that. If you were a nail polish color, what would that color be? And what's the cheeky little name of that color? Oh my gosh. This is uh, the last one. Oh my gosh. This one's tough. <laughs> um, I would say like stormy gray. <laughs> <laughs> really boring actually um but like with like a hint of blue (laughs) it's really just my aesthetic (laughs) thank you so much for your time honestly oh my gosh and mary lee thank you i i love you so much too it's just such a pleasure talking to you guys and i think you're both so talented i'm so (laughs) so honored to be here oh it's been so great i really appreciate you taking the time and doing it yeah absolutely such a fun and exciting time coming up with the tony season and congratulations on uh your performance and your show it's just wonderful and you're wonderful in it thanks oh thank you i'm just yeah this is this is nuts and i'm just trying to trying to take it all in one day at a time thank you coming up next what struck a chord with us right after this break y'all Stages is now sponsored by BetterHelp, and I couldn't be more excited because I love therapy. So I encourage you, if you've had a tough year and a half, (laughs) why don't you give them a shot? You can find a therapist that you can connect with. Their resource is thousands of therapists, well-trained and experienced. You can keep looking until you find someone that you click with. They have customized online therapy. They do offer videos, but they also offer phone and live chat sessions. So you don't even have to be seen. You can only be heard. What are you waiting for? Go to BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P dot com slash stages. And for our cast members, you get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash stages. Go, go, go. Go find your healing. Go find your happy. Stages podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's H-E-L-P. Oh my gosh, he's adorable. <laughs> I know. Oh and he's I so young. Know. He's so young. When I saw 1987, I was like, oh my God. What were you doing? Tell me what you were doing in 1987. I was in college. I was finishing up college. I was getting ready to go to Europe on a tour with the school. Okay. And uh, yeah. Yep. I was a sophomore in high school. I was going to an all girls Catholic high school called Rosary High School. Still loving, you know, musical theater. I probably was doing, you know, a version of Godspell with the boy high school, Servite. And my, my sights were set on Broadway, but you know, 
he was just being born and we were living our lives. Oh, I know. It's nuts. 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 I, of course, wanted to ask him about Patty Lapone, but I, I respect her so much that I'd love to just live in her performance. And her performance, too, knocked me off my seat when yeah, I she's saw She's great in everything, company. though. I mean, just to see her on stage is a, such a treat, you know? I did want to ask about her, too, but I didn't. I felt like yeah. Putting him on yeah. The you don't want to gossip about Tell her, right? Patty you want stories. <laughs> I wanted to quickly touch on um, Beth Bears. So his best friend growing up, she's on Two Broke Girls. So oh. yes, I mean I'm talking TV star. So to see the two of them, apparently they're still like each other's, you know, theater dates. I think now she is married, and of course Matt has. Max by his side, but they used to attend every opening together and all the school dances together. And so I, I think that would just be so wild to look at your childhood and even current day best friend and see that those dreams have been fulfilled. That's got to be a wild sensation yeah, when you truly cool. know the the soul and the spirit of the person. That's you know? really special. Yeah. Um, he has done some extraordinary things and I, I do find it always a kick in the pants when I talk to uh, younger performers, when their first show was this big, huge commercial success, critical success. And that wave looks so different than somebody who would come in on a show that just made a little splash or him where spring awakening is mm -hmm. your debut. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the buzz and the acclaim that was around spring awakening. Yeah. If that's your starting point, I don't know where you go from there. Well, that's and it's really interesting because you would think from the outside, oh, well, he's all set. You know, your your career is made. But there he was saying, I had entered such a dark place right there. I was so confused. And it's so what I really admire about him is that he has that inner compass, that little compass. And he knows when it's not true north. He feels it and he makes dramatic choices to get it back to where he knows it should be. I mean, I really respect that. I wish when I was younger, I had that more. I didn't have that when I was younger. I just sort of did what I thought, oh, I think I'm supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do that. And I really admire people that, that don't get caught up in the supposed to and listen to that little whisper inside themselves. And, and the parents knew him well enough to yeah. notice, to know him and to notice in him, this may be what the school system wants. This may be what the community wants, but we, as his parents know, this is not going to be right. He does need to take that trip. He does need to, and know, to put him out there to, to say, yeah, go, go, just go right. in high school, go to Europe, go here, go there. I think that's good for them. That's really great parenting. And that's hard to do, you know, to let your kid go. Seb's going off on a trip for 10 days and it's far away and it's without us. And I'm like, okay, but I know it's the best thing for him. So it's not easy, but I, I want him to do it because I remember when I, so when I graduated from college, I decided I'm going to go backpacking. My roommate and I at the time were like, okay, here we go. And we bought these around the world tickets and we ended up in Tahiti and Australia and New Zealand and New Caledonia. And we went like around the world. And I was leaving out the door with my backpack and, you know, like $2,000 or something that I had saved. And my father said, where the hell are you going? And I said, well, I'm going, I'm going to see the world. I want to see what's out there. And he goes, you get in your car 
you drive to Maine. You're not going to find anything that you can't find between here and Maine. I don't know what your problem is. And, they, and But I remember like, I couldn't wait to go. I felt like at that point I was old enough that nobody could tell me no. And I mm-hmm. went and it was the best thing I ever did because you find, you trust yourself, you trust your intuition. Mm-hmm. And then when you come back, the life you used to be living looks totally different because now mm-hmm. it's completely colored by all the experiences that you just had and it's no longer enough. But if you don't, if, if as a parent, you don't let the kid go and do that stuff, they'll never know that. Right. They just do what they're quote supposed to be doing in the next steps. Right. Oh, all right, my yeah. friend. That was thank really you. fun. Love you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you too. So if this episode resonated with you, please follow, subscribe, and share. You can always find us at stagespodcast.net. A big thank you goes out to our assistant and doer of all things technical, Saren Cho. Thank you to Noah Kaiserman and Garrett Healy for our beautiful original music. Melanie Von Trapp for our Stages Podcast logo. Brock Grenfeld, our sound engineer. And Allison Arns, our PR and social media expert. And thank you, our cast members, for joining us today. We hope you come back next week.